are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning, everybody. I am very excited to tell you this morning that we have a special guest with us. His name is Jason Young, and Jason is passionate about reclaiming the art of hospitality, especially as it pertains to us as followers of Jesus Christ. So Jason is a coach. He works with many churches. He also works with companies like Chick-fil-A. It's our pleasure. And he also works with Ford Motor Company. But Jason, full-time job, is the director of guest experience at North Point Ministries. If you're not familiar with that, the lead pastor of North Point is Andy Stanley. They have about 40,000 people in their weekly average attendance. That's only 38,000 more people than we have in our weekly average attendance. And Jason has a heart for Jesus. Uh, you're going to love him. I love his accent. If I didn't tell you he's from Georgia, you would think he was from Kentucky. And so I want you to do everything you can this morning to make Jason feel as welcome as you can make him feel as he comes to share with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's fun to, uh, to be here with you and to hang out. Um, I'm expecting a lot because I've heard about this service. So I'm expecting a lot. High, high expectations. Thank you. Two of you. That's awesome. It's bound to be a good morning. So uh, I would love for us to talk about something that I never really heard much about. And the word is hospitality, but the question is how in the world... Can you do that and can I do that better in just everyday living? Well, I learned it two different ways. One through an unfortunate circumstance and one through a more memorable circumstance, if you will. So I have two kids. My daughter just turned 15 uh, Friday and I have a son who's about to turn 11. Well, I don't know if you have ever done this. I'm hoping I have a few friends in here. But I'm in the living room talking to my son and I don't know what about. He talks... 28 hours a day, nine days a week, um, and it just, the other day I said, hey bud, literally for 30 seconds, can we just not talk? So about three seconds later, it was like, why? So anyways, I, you know, I'm trying to practice the very thing we're talking about this morning, but he taught me something. So we're sitting in the living room, we're having this conversation about, I, probably nothing, Legos, um, and my phone in the bedroom just it dinged and he goes don't worry about it I'll, I'll, I'll go get it and I'm like bro you know I'm thinking like why is he why is he getting all excited so he takes off and he goes in there and he goes and he brings it back in there and he goes I, I know that when it makes a noise like you you want to get and respond to the noise and I said do I do that like he goes all the time and what I learned is that I would often prefer responding to a text or a phone call even when I'm sitting there with my own kid. I wasn't fully present. Has anybody ever done that? Okay, five of you admit it. Sweet. The rest of you liars. No, I'm just kidding. I was at Disney with some leaders, and I do these experiences where I take leaders to Disney, and we kind of do this immersion experience. So we're in Orlando, and we're at the um, Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster, right? Anybody ever done that? Yeah. Oh, more of you there than anything else. Sweet. 
Um, <laughs> well, I don't really do roller coasters. It's not, it's not my jam. And so uh, I said, I'll just hold the purses. And so I just held the purses and the bags, you know. And it said 20 minutes, so you would assume how long until they come back. Yeah, 20-ish, 25 minutes, right? Mm-mm. 40 minutes passed, and I'm still holding purses. And I'm like, some of these fools, they probably have, like, left, and they're, like, staring at me going, like, when's he going to notice, like, we're right here, you know? Because um, we tend to play jokes on each other, but not today. It was really happening. So I didn't know what to do because... It was very important that we make another experience. So there's this little lady. She couldn't have been taller than 4'10". And I saw her. She was in all white. And I'm like, I think she works here because, like, who dresses like that at Disney World? And she turned around and it said Maria. And I said, Maria, um, my friends are in there. I'm trying to get over to Beauty and the Beast because the two girls in there, that's all they want to see is Beauty and the Beast. And, you know, and she goes, you're not going to make it. And I was like, yeah, I need to make it. And I said, it says 20 minutes on the sign. She goes, oh, that sign's broken. I know, we're at 40 minutes. I said, so can you, I, I just need to get them and we need to go over to Beauty and the Beast. She goes, follow me. And I'm like, oh, yes, ma'am. I mean, she had a commanding presence at 410. So I followed her. We get to this door and it says cast members only, which is their word for employees. And I stop. She keeps going. She turned around. She goes, what are you doing? I said, it says cast members, employees only. Let's go, you're with Maria. <laughs> so I'm like, I would not want to get tangled with Maria because she would put a whooping on you. I said, yes, ma'am. So we go, she goes, when you see your people, tell me. So I look around, and I, you know, I'm like, oh, I see them. I mean, they're like, you know, they're not close to getting on. And so she yells across the whole thing to them, and they, they, look, they thought they were in trouble, which I kind of enjoyed. Um, <laughs> So she waves him over. She goes, now look, you're going to need to hurry. We don't want you to run in Disney, so just walk really fast. So go over there. She gets on the radio, calls over to another employee, says, hey, young and party of so many, they're coming over, like take care of them when they get there. We have two minutes till the show starts. So we start to leave. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, we're trying to go. She goes, so she goes, hold on. So she gives everybody a fast pass. She goes, now... You had to get out of line after you already stood in line. So come back right after Beauty and the Beast. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's like a, just a little extra. So we leave. We walk over. We walk up to the cast member, the employee. She goes, are y'all the young party? Uh, yes. Well, I realized something. It was totally full. So the cast member was like, follow me. So we just start walking past every single row that's full. And I'm like, I feel awful. Here we are. We show up right before the show. They show up 30 minutes ahead, and we're just past So I decided, don't look at anybody. So I just walked down the steps all the way to the second row. We're seated. About 30 seconds or so later, the show starts. I learned from my son how powerful it is to be fully present. And I learned from Maria how great it feels to have somebody be fully present. And I think what people need today is to feel from you and from me what it means for us to be fully present with them. There's, um, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty simple. I just want to talk about four ways that you can be fully present with anyone, anywhere. Here at church, at school, in a class, at work, with a spouse, with your kids, with a stranger, it doesn't matter. In fact, um, there's a, a verse that 
Peter wrote, this is what it says. It says, offer hospitality to one another without what? Grumbling. I'm not saying anybody in here grumbles. This is for everybody else, okay? But offer hospitality, which is a feeling that that people feel validated and seen and cared for and attended to, to one another without grumbling. Not, I'll do it. You know, we smile like Jesus, but sometimes we don't have the heart of Jesus. You know, we've got to figure out how to connect those more. So offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And one way to do that is with your presence. And so I'd love to just navigate, like, what does that look like? So check this out. Being fully present is intentionally choosing to be aware of where you are and who is in front of you. In other words, it's literally recognizing that I am at church, at school, with my spouse, and we're having a conversation, I'm listening. You know, I mean, it's literally as simple as that. But it's intentional. It's intentional. In fact, um, my wife and I, so this December we've been married 18 years, and um, I know I look like 24, but, you know, um, what are you laughing at? I'm just kidding. So, actually, we met in Bethany, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. I saw her in the back of a church at Council Road, you know where that is, and I was like, I'm going to marry her. I was dumb enough to ask her, did you feel the same? She was like, I mean, eventually. I was like, oh, okay. So anyways, we we met uh, in Bethany. Her whole family's from Oklahoma City, and um, we all moved uh, to Atlanta. But we were on a date one time. It was actually here. It's when, uh, I don't even know if they're still around, Black Eyed Pea. Anybody remember? If they still around? We got one Black Eyed Pea fan. Thank you, my friend. Are they two? Are they still around? No. Yes. This is a confused church. Cool. Um, I guess it, it, it graduated to like Golden Corral because now that's the place to go. So we're at Black Eyed Pea one day and she like starts rubbing my hands, you know, and I'm like, what's going on? She's like, you have beautiful hands. I'm like, I have a crooked finger. Like, what's, what's going on with that? She's like, I just... Well, she's a therapist, right? You ought to try to be married to one of those. Any therapist in here? Okay, we have one of you. Anybody need therapy? All of us at some point in our lives, yes. So a lot of times I'm like, hey, Stacy, is this a spouse-to-spouse conversation or is this a therapy conversation? She goes, does it matter? And I'm like, no, that's supposed to be a joke. So... We're at dinner. She's rubbing my hand. She starts talking. I really meant to listen. I I started well. But then this lady came in and she had blue, really, really blue hair, which I had a lot of questions about. Why was she feeling freaky? Like, was she colorblind? Right? Want to give grace where it's supposed to be given? Maybe, maybe her hairstylist, it was like day one on the job and she'd never gone to hair school. Right? You know, so I'm like trying to, I, I don't know why I just got distracted with blue hair. I just had a lot of questions, no answers. So I'm listening to Stacy. I got a lot of questions about the hair. No reason, it's silly. And then all of a sudden this high school couple comes in. Anybody in high school in here? Okay, some of you aren't sure. Um, that's cool. School is cool, so stay in it. It'll, it's good. So we're sitting there, and this high school couple, they're on a date. No sooner have they been seated, but she starts like going off on him. 
And, and her face was intense. His face was like he had no idea what had hit him. You know, so I was like, Jerry, Jerry. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, Jerry Springer. If you have no idea who he is, Google him. Um, some of you are too young to, to know. But anyways, a little entertainment. So I was like, a little fight was going to break out. So I was like, I'm going to, this is free entertainment, right? I'm watching this. Problem is, I feel like I'm at a tennis match now because it's like Stacy, high school couple, blue hair. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's not a great position to be in. Stacy looks at me and she says, Jace, that's what she calls me, Jace. What have I been saying? Oh, well, I have an option. I'm either going to like tell her I wasn't listening or I'm going to make up something. So I'm like, I work in a church. I preach. I better do the right thing and make up something. So that is what I did. I made up something. Don't judge me, but it's true. And you know what she said? That's exactly what I said. I'm like, I should do this for a living. I can make up stuff. And it's right, and I have no idea what she said. And then she said, but that was about 10 minutes ago. I was like, all right, all right, let me shoot straight with you. I got a little distracted. I heard what you were saying, but I got kind of, you know, blue hair. You see what I'm saying? She's like, Jason, you're so immature, you know. I was like, I know, I know. I'm like, still like a middle schooler. I get it. And, and then I'm like, look at the high school couple. Like, what do you fight about in high school? I don't know, but I'm curious, you know. So I'm like, it's like free entertainment, right? So we can eat like our chicken fried chicken or whatever we ate and watch this go down. And again, she was like, it's so immature. She was like, I just wish you would give me more attention than you gave the distractions. So I, I totally lost the intent of choosing to be aware of where I was on a date with my wife, and who is in front of me? My wife. And it's tremendously important. In fact, being intentional is often inconvenient. Have you ever been focused on something and an opportunity comes in front of you and you don't see it as an opportunity, you see it as a what? An interruption. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about? Crying out loud. Don't they know I was... What happens if God brings you an opportunity to offer hospitality? Sometimes what do we do? Grumble. So being intentional is often inconvenient for you. But being intentional is always meaningful for every guest. For every guest in your home, on a phone call, at your church, anywhere. It's often inconvenient for you, for me. But it's always meaningful to them. And sometimes we don't want to be inconvenienced because we have things to do. Anybody a task? You're a list person? You got stuff to do. Yeah. And sometimes when people get in that, it's like, you may not show that, but you do that. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I do the same thing. So when you make the choice to be fully present, you know what you do? You know what I do? You declare what you value. In other words, if Rick and I were standing here having a conversation, it's literally like I have a megaphone telling the rest of you, Rick is the most important person to me right now. But sometimes we don't do that. But when you do, you're saying to that person in front of you, I value you. And I want to let everybody else know, if you ever encounter me, I'm going to value you as well. So, what are some ways 
that you can be fully present? Well, here's one. You could be fully present in the area of your mental life. Now, I'm not saying you're mental. I'm just saying in your mental life. In other words, you press pause on what you're thinking so you can press play on what the other person is saying. Have you ever had like three conversations going on in your head and then somebody comes up and wants to have a conversation with you and it's very difficult? And I hear people all the time, Oh, I can multitask. My mom told me this my whole life. I'm like, not long ago, I live on eight acres and my parents live on a portion of it and we live on the other portion. And I was having a conversation and um, we're pretty honest in our family. And I was like, Mom, you do not know how to multitask. She goes, yes, I do. I've done it my whole life. I said, no, afraid not. She goes, oh, yeah? And I'm like, you ever gone toe-to-toe with Ma? She goes, what, what, how do you know? I said, the brain cannot multitask. She goes, well, my brain's different. I'm like, Ma, you, it's not... The brain cannot multitask. You cannot give 100% to 100%, like three things. The brain just cannot do it. Now, some of you out there, I usually hear from ladies if I ever say that. Ladies go, oh, <laughs> I can. So feel free to walk down afterwards and tell me that you can, because I believe you. You're right. Um, that, that's what I'm supposed to say, right? So press pause on what you're thinking, a press play. So press pause on everything that's going on in your brain. So you could press play on what somebody else is saying. Because sometimes when you have like five conversations going on, you don't help the person in front of you feel like they're being listened to. So, be mentally fully present. The second area is, is this. Um, it's physical. So you speak more with your body than you do with your words. When you are preparing to talk to somebody, do you spend more time in words, your tone, or body language when you prepare for anything? What do you think? It's not a trick question. Words, right? We want to like get the words right. But body language has the greatest impact on somebody, followed up by tone, followed up by words. But we spend most of our time on words. Because you can have the right words and the wrong body language and the brain believes the body language over the words. It's so fascinating. So I'm working on, uh, about to finish doctoral studies in this. And it's fascinating how the brain operates in what it wants to believe. And there's really, really not control over it. So if I say, oh, I think you're the greatest thing in the world, but my body language is, you know, completely different. The brain says, believe what they're doing. Don't believe what they say. That's why when I go to churches and they're like, you know, if two volunteers, and I'm not picking on anybody, so please don't think I saw you do this and I'm picking on you. Um, but feel free to come down afterwards and say, were you talking about me? I'm not, I promise. But when volunteers will talk to each other and a guest walks in the door and they're like, hey, good morning, it's good to see you. And then they go right back to the conversation that they had with the volunteer. The body language is believed that, oh, sorry to interrupt your conversation. I actually don't know that you're glad I'm here because it's like you weren't expecting me to show up. And so they believe what they see versus the words they hear. And this happens in relationships, at home. So watch your body language. Here's a fun little trick. This could get weird. If you're having a conversation with somebody, watch what happens with their feet or your feet when you're done with the conversation. 
For example, if Rick and I are having a conversation and he's done, it tip, he typically, not he, but a human, typically begins to shift their feet away from you. You do the same thing. I do the same thing. It's just a subconscious thing. We're ready to exit the conversation, and more times than not, your feet points will point towards the closest door. You don't even know you're doing it. Have you ever done this? Wrap it up, bud. That's what it means, right? You're like, well, I just usually lean on one hip because it's more comfortable. Maybe, but that's weird, okay? Most of the time, you t- it starts with one out, and then they're like, okay, they're not getting the point, two feet, and then it just begins to work northward. And before long, I mean, you can literally be like this, and a person has no idea. They just keep on talking, and finally you're like, hey, I really got to go, somebody's dying, you know, okay, bye, and y- you leave. And it's like, oh, okay, and then they continue to have a friend that does this. I'm like, dude, you talk too much. I cannot deal. So I'm going to walk away. And he laughs. <laughs> hey, one more thing. I'm like, exactly. You know anybody like this? Please do not point them out if they're near you. So physically, watch your feet. If I see somebody's feet begin to shift away from me, I end the conversation. Not abruptly, like, okay, bye. But I land the plane and like, because they're done. And I have to watch myself. If I find myself doing that, I have to, through discipline, say, you know, square up with the person in front of me. Because it's super important, you know. So just watch your body language. We could talk a lot about that, but we're not going to. Uh, Here's the speed. Look at this speed. 100 milliseconds. How fast is that? One-tenth of a second? How fast is that? The speed at which a hummingbird flaps its wings. That's actually how fast the brain will pick up an impression from another person. That is fast. In fact, in a research uh, study, they took a block of time and they discovered that on the front half of the time, people would make an impression, but they would spend almost three times the amount of time justifying whether they made the right decision about you or not. So they'll spend more time justifying their decision than they will receiving and taking in an impression from you. So body language is enormous when we offer hospitality to people. So another area is this, spiritual. In other words, being fully present spiritually. Understand what God has entrusted to you and what he's asking of you. I mean, God is entrusting to you an opportunity to engage in a conversation with someone. You may not feel up to it, but that's not the point. The point is, He's entrusted it to you. There are many times that I don't feel like it. I'm just being honest. But I can't live on how I feel. I have to live on what He's asked me to do. And so some days I just tell Him, God, I'm not feeling it. He said, cool, do it anyways. So he's asking you to care for somebody else. He's asking you to understand that your place in his story is to care for another person in hospitality. At home, with kids, with a spouse, at your church. This at your church, at this church, means this. This is one thing. Just because you're not on the team of volunteers... Of, that are under hospitality does not mean 
you do not have to do this. It's an everybody thing. It's a culture thing. I hear some churches, well, I'm not on that team. I get a pass. I'm like, this message is definitely for you. It's an everybody thing. Why? Because if I, I've never been here before. I came in the doors. Man, I met some great people. They had no idea who I was. I mean, I met some people just all the way into this space. And people choose to come back to a church because of how they feel about you. How likable is the church? And when everybody understands that they play a part in creating an experience, that's the place that people want to come back to. You say, well, I'm not a volunteer. It doesn't matter. If you pass somebody, look at them. Acknowledge them. Smile at them. Speak to them. Don't like, don't get weird, don't feel like you got to hug everybody. Because that's weird, like, I don't, I don't know you, but thank you, I guess, I don't know. I'm not saying if you're a hugger, I'm just saying just be careful, you know. But just understand you play a part in this. And then there's this. Look at this number. Go to the next one. That's how many emotions an average person has every 60 minutes. Now, I have a 15-year-old daughter. I would say this if she were here, and she would probably say amen. We hit that every minute. I just roll with it. I don't know what to say. I just smile and hug and love and, God help me, you know, that kind of stuff. But, But just think, and people come here where they encounter you I mean they're having emotions all over the place who knows what they're walking in here with who knows what they're coming into your home with or in a relationship with or at school with or you know who knows and you you bring the same so the fourth area is to be emotionally fully present in other words you're you're thinking about the 25 emotions emotionally you're willing to take this empathetic journey with him I want you to know that I'm going to journey with you I'm not going to sympathize, which is like, I'm really sorry that you're in the hole, in the pit. That really stinks. Empathy is putting a ladder in the hole and crawling down the ladder and say, hey, I'm going to sit in here with you. It's a great example, if you've ever heard of Brene Brown talk about this, of what empathy is. Think about it this way. What would you want? You see, all of us have an opportunity to be a dispenser of empathy. Empathy is rare. And when it's received, when it's felt, when it's seen, it's memorable. Because it is so, so meaningful. And you don't find it often. We're too busy. So imagine if the experience that people had with you was the least hurried moment of their week. How many of you are busy? Yeah. Almost everybody. And if not, let me know. I've got a few things I'll be happy to give to you. But we're all busy on some level. And we need, we need hospitality to fit into our busyness. And then we'll do it. Versus 
always being open to what God has asked of us and what he's entrusted to us. And it's to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. When you do this, in essence, you give to people something that they crave. I have a few thoughts here. When you can be fully present, it says to the person, I recognize you, I'm listening to you, I want to validate you, I appreciate you, and I'm giving you my undivided attention. My wife, I told you, is a therapist, and she said to me probably two years ago, and I've never forgotten this, she said, you know, I'll always have a job. I said, well, somebody thinks good of themselves. She goes, no, it's actually a really sad story. I said, how come? She goes, people will always pay me to listen because people don't listen to people. She goes, and that is really sad. So what if you became a church? What if you became a student? What if you became a husband, a wife, a friend, a volunteer that you were known for listening? You were known for helping people feel listened to and validated. My wife also taught me this. Obviously, I need a lot of lessons in my life if you can't pick up the stories. There's a difference in listening to and listening through. Listening to is when you listen to someone enough to formulate a response. When you listen through, you listen through all of their words and their emotions and their reactions and their body language. You take it all in, and if necessary, you respond. Sometimes the only response needed is to listen. And that is a huge difference. But for many people, we live in a listen-to society. If you'll hurry up, quit talking, i got 30 seconds of your 80-minute talk, i can, I got an answer for you. I'm a solution-focused person, and I'll tell you what you need to do. You know what you, you know what I'm, you like that or know anybody like that, or is it just me? Okay, cool, three of you, all right. The rest of you should be up here teaching this. But it's a, it's a battle. So, wherever you are, you're going to think this is just incredible wisdom right here. Wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, just be fully there. And the result is pretty simple. Guests, friends, spouse, they'll like you more. Likeability is a huge element when people choose to hang out with you, come back to church. They're going to talk great about you. Hey, I mean, people are going to talk about you anyways. Might as well give them something great to talk about. Come back to see you again. They want to come back to your house. They want to come back to your church. They want to come back to your friend group. They want to come back because there's something that you give to them that other people don't. And then the greatest compliment is not only do I want to come back, but I want to bring people with me. So the question is, like, where do you, where do you start you know, you think, gosh, I, I don't even know. I just need you to, what's like an action step? Well, make it really small. Maybe it's just when you want to say something back, remember the listening to and listening through. How many of you like to ride bikes? All right, now let me ask one deeper question. How many of you would say that you like, you're a cyclist? You don't just ride like a bike from Walmart with a basket on it, but like, you know. You, okay, about three of you. The story will be great then. Um, I got a bike, like a, a legit bike, right? Not one from Walmart, but like a legit road bike. And I had this grand idea that I was going to be a cyclist. 
And I also bought me some of those spandex shorts. You know what I'm saying? Those vacuum sealed tight shorts. So I put them, you know, the padded kind. So I put them on and, and I walk out. My wife laughs. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm going to like go on a, I'm going to go ride. She goes, in public. I was like, well, that's the plan. And she goes, in those? I'm like, why, why are you hating, you know? And she's like, you can't wear those again. You got you to gotta change. So I went and put on like basketball shorts, that awful aerodynamics, like wind gets in there and blows me off the bike, you know, but they looked better according to her. I never put on those spandex, padded spandex shorts ever again. I still have them because one day, one day I'm going to wear them just to embarrass her. So I, I go out, ride a bike. Well, I'm not a cyclist, obviously. I don't think I ever rode that bike again. Um, so now my kids do. Well, here's what I learned. How, how many of you have ever heard of Team Sky? Anybody? Great Britain's cycling team. Okay. There's two of you. Fantastic. Well, the rest of you, here's your introduction. Team Sky had never won a Tour de France before. Athletes were frustrated. Sponsors were frustrated. They hired this guy, Dave. Dave Brailsford. He comes in and he says, if you'll do what I say, we will win a Tour de France in five years. Yeah, wait, what do we have to lose, right? So he comes in, does things you would expect. Works on the tires, bike frame, you know, handlebars, things that everybody else was doing. But then he started doing some peculiar things. Different pillows work for different athletes, so we need to maximize sleep. So let's, let's get the best pillow. We'll travel with that. Okay, check. Um, let's, uh, everybody responds to different types of massage gel post-race. So let's figure out what's best for each athlete. Travel with that. Check. And then... He taught them how to wash their hands. Now, I have an almost 11-year-old, and this is like an every-hour battle. You know, yes, you should wash your hands after the bathroom. You know, any parents, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I almost want to give up, but I don't want to lose. You know what I'm saying? And so Dave taught them how to wash their hands. Why? Because their hands were getting infected. When they got infected, they'd hurt. When they hurt, they got distracted. And when they got distracted, they what? They lose. So, they did not win the Tour de France in five years. They won it in three. The same year, they went to the Olympics and won 70% of the gold medals. The next year, they won the Tour de France, again, under a different cyclist. And ever since then, they have been a powerhouse in the world of cycling. What's the point? In the research, it's called the aggregation of marginal gains. Small gains collected over a period of time give you an enormous result. So don't look at the enormous result you need to achieve to change some things maybe you need to do. Just look at, maybe you just need to start looking at people in the eye. Just do that. Maybe you need to acknowledge people. Maybe when you're at a meal with somebody, you need to not have the phone on the table and set it aside because every time it lights up, what happens? You look. You know what I'm saying? So like these different little things that allow you to say, I'm here. And over a period of time, you begin to see enormous results. And people will begin to say about you, that person knows how to offer hospitality because they are fully present with you. And when people say that about us, that is a massive compliment. And God begins to do enormous things in your relationships, at home, at school, and at church. 
We just have to be big enough to say, you know what? I'll put in the hard work because I want to be fully present with anyone, anywhere. Let's pray. Lord, it is not easy. And for some, it, maybe it comes more naturally. I don't know. But here's what I know. I think about Mary and Martha and that story of when they were with you. You celebrated the one who was focused, who was fully present with you, and you corrected the one who was busy doing things for you. So, help us to be obsessed, intentional, with being with people, with giving them our attention. Help them feel validated, help them feel seen, help them feel cared for, help them feel attended to. And when we do that, it gives us a great opportunity to represent you to the world, to the person in front of us, to the person that walks in the church doors, to the person we sit next to in class, to the person we live with at home. So help us to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling and watch the amazing result when it happens in Jesus. Hey, would you like to express your gratitude to Jason Young this morning? Thank you, Jason. You know, if I'd lived 2,000 years ago and never had the opportunity to stand in the presence of the physical Jesus, I've got a feeling I would have walked away saying, He made me feel real important. I don't think Jesus would have been distracted. Jason's not talking about, let's train a hospitality team here so they can be really hospitable people. Jason's talking about a culture within a community of faith that so spills over into other areas of our lives. Not just when we're in church on Sunday morning, but when we're at the grocery store, when we're driving through traffic, when we're living our daily lives. That when we make eye contact with people, they begin to believe that they're important to us. This is, this is how Jesus would be. And our desire here is to not only help people come to know Jesus, but we want to be like Jesus to our world. And so, you received a card this morning when you came in. The bottom, you can just fold and tear off. Uh, write your name on the front of it. And then on the back, there's several options for you. Uh, one would be, you might be saying... I love this kind of stuff. I think I could be a help to Jake. Jake Garrett is an awesome connections pastor for us. He met Jason not long ago and said, Jason, I'm new at my job. Uh, would you help me out a little bit? And I'm so proud of Jake. I love him so much. I'm so thankful for him. And you may say, you know what? I can give Jake a hand. And so there's a place on the back where it says, I'm willing to serve. And you can check a box called hospitality. Uh, I wish you would do that today. Say, I'm going to get on this team. I'm going to learn more. I'm going to grow more. I'm going to help out. But then there's other things that you could do. I carried around with me this week a stack of cards all week long that you had filled out. And I prayed with you this past week. And I loved praying with you for people that you know who do not yet know Jesus. And so today you may say, hey, I'd love it if a pastor would pray with me this week. So you just write your prayer request on the other side of that card. When you leave, you can drop in a connect box at every exit, and we'll make sure that we pray for you this week. You may want to become a member. You may want to be baptized. You may be here this morning saying, hey, Rick, I'm listening to you guys, but I'm not a Jesus follower. 
I'm not a Christian. But I have some interest in it. I'd love to talk to somebody and learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so you can check that box on the card. Drop it in the connect box as you leave and we'll get in contact with you this week. We just want to help you in any way we can as we all together try to become more like Jesus. So fill out the card. Let's stand together and let's sing before we go. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.